episode 75 of the State of the Old Republic podcast, was originally recorded on April 26th, 2018. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Game Update 5.9 is just a few days away. I'll review everything that's coming, including story, conquest changes, class changes, new augments, and old companions. Also this week, I return to my story project. As Chapter 1 nears completion, all eight heroes find themselves on Tatooine, where the suns are hot and the sand is coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Welcome to episode 75 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. May the 4th is right around the corner, and to celebrate Star Wars Day, Swotorista and Kid Lee are teaming up to run some community flashpoints. Join Kid Lee and Swotorista for a night of fun as they invite random players to join them to see the Swotor group-only flashpoints in a celebration of the Star Wars community. The event will be held on Friday, May 4th, 2018 at 7 p.m. Pacific Time over at uh, Kid Lee's Twitch site, which is twitch.tv slash Kid Lee. If you want to run a flashpoint with them, here's what you need to do. First, you attend the stream. When it's time for them to start a new Flashpoint, listen for whatever server they will be on next. They will be rotating through the servers to give everyone a chance. If your server comes up, pay attention to what they say. They will request players who want to join them to type a secret word in chat. Of everyone that enters, two players will randomly be selected for each Flashpoint. If you win and are on the correct server and are level 15 or higher... They will invite you to their group in-game and run a Flashpoint with you on the stream. Now to participate, you must be over the age of 13, level 15 or higher on any server, and present on May 4th, 2018 during the stream in the stream chat. Even if you just want to watch, they will be doing some giveaways during the event. It's going to be a great time to be sure. And congratulations to community manager Eric Musco, who is now officially married, officially a year older, and officially AFK. News and information will probably be a little light while he's gone, although Keith Kanig did pop on the forums to say something about conquest. So with that, let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. It's time! Game Update 5.9 Anathema Conspiracy is set to go live on May 1st, 2018. I thought it would be the perfect time to review everything that's coming in this game update. We have the story. The Anathema Conspiracy is not only the conclusion to the Iocath Trader story, it's the grand finale of the Knights of Story. The story will be told via a flashpoint, which means it'll have the usual solo, story, veteran, and master modes. Of course, it's going to take place on the planet Nathema, which is starting to heal after the death of Valkorion. 
BioWare released a few screenshots of the planet, and while I won't say it's pretty, it is green and lush. It's going to be about the same difficulty as Capero. It's not meant to be harder. It's also going to be about the same length as Capero, except for the story part, which will be longer. Charles Boyd said it should take about an hour to get through the story, and that there are cinematics before, during, and after the Flashpoint. We know that Lana Benico is going to be our main companion for this part of the story. There are a lot of people that are excited about this, which is understandable, but keep in mind that after Unbara, Lana was kind of out for blood. When I get my hands on him, he will regret betraying a Sith. Remember, Lana may be a friendly Sith, but she's still a Sith. I'd be a little concerned about having her along on this journey, especially if you're inclined to give Theron the benefit of the doubt, which I think most of us are. Now, you can only run the story once, but you're going to want to keep running the Flashpoint over and over again for the sweet loot it has to offer. There's a new armor set, there's new decorations, and there's even a new companion. I believe it's a droid of some kind. The Flashpoint is also the source of the schematics needed to craft the new augments. The schematics only drop in master mode, by the way. So just how good are these new augments? They are item rating 240, and the stat distribution for these augments will mirror the ones which were introduced in game update 5.6 with the Capero Flashpoint. They will require the same materials to craft as the ones from Capero, only you'll need more of them. And additionally, additionally, you will now be able to obtain these materials from Conquest. Those materials will be rewards for meeting the Conquest point requirements for large and medium yields planets. That's just one of several changes happening to Conquest in 5.9. Other changes include increasing points gains for objectives for repeatable and daily repeatable objectives. Uh, an additional buff for GSF, Warzone, and Flashpoint participation objectives. The play a Flashpoint objective is being changed to play a Flashpoint or Uprising. The kill X enemies daily objective will now be split into three objectives. Kill 50, 100, and 150. Additionally, progress on this objective will not reset every day. If you kill 40 enemies, it won't reset back to zero. They are going to introduce a new repeatable daily objective for completing three and five activity finder activities. Flashpoints, Operations, War Zones, Galactic Starfighter, Uprisings. They are introducing a new daily repeatable objective to defeat the final boss in an operation. And they are introducing a new repeatable objective for crafting 50 items. This objective gives another path for crafters to earn points and is also a mechanism for characters of any level to participate. And Bioware said that they will monitor the number of items required to craft closely and will make any changes in the future if it is too high or too low. So we saw changes to Conquest in 5.8a and now 5.9. And while no other changes have been announced, that doesn't mean Bioware isn't open to making more changes. Here is what Keith Kanig had to say about future changes to the system. We realize some of you are not happy with the changes we made to Conquest, and the 5.9 adjustments will help. As we all know, Conquests were broken and preventing players from receiving rewards, which caused a lot of unnecessary frustration, extra engineering work, and wasted time for you and customer service. It had to be replaced with a newer and maintainable system. Although it'll take a few updates to get it exactly right, we have not had the same issues with rewards. A lot more guilds are receiving rewards, and there is higher participation overall. 
However, we also acknowledge that it's more difficult for alternate characters to complete their weekly goals, which some of the changes in 5.9 will address. We will continue to review the data and your feedback to determine if additional adjustments are needed. I'm not sure that gives you any additional insight, but we need to release 5.9 to identify further changes. So, more conquest changes after 5.9? Maybe? Maybe not. There are class balance changes happening in 5.9. Tanks are going to be doing a lot less damage, but their ability to generate threat should be unchanged. Sentinels and Marauders should be more susceptible to crowd control, and various classes will see changes to their utilities that affect damage reduction. Many of these are buffs. There are returning companions. Lieutenant Felix Aresso is coming back for counselors, and Mako and Akavi Spar are returning for bounty hunters and smugglers. And both bounty hunters and smugglers can get both Akavi and Mako. And there is also a new achievement coming that rewards Darth Hexed. Now as 5.9 begins, the big Isaacs event will end. You have until April 30th to defeat Isaacs in veteran mode to earn the strike team defeating Isaacs achievement. If you get this achievement, you'll receive the Bane of Isaacs in-game title, and you'll also receive the Wings of the Dragon Mount. Now I have to say, the mount is a little big and bulky for my tastes. It basically basically looks like you ripped the head off Isaacs and strapped it onto your back. Eh, to each his own. One thing that was interesting is that Bioware released a series of pro tips on things you could do to make defeating Isaacs possible. These were all provided by Matt Pusevich, who is the lead designer behind these encounters. Here are the pro tips from Matt on how to defeat Isaacs in veteran mode. Pro tip number one, have a detailed plan for phase two. You'll want to break through Isaacs' deflector shield as quickly as possible. The more time that you spend trying to wrangle the coordination required to punch Isaacs' shield, the more time you allow for things to fly off the roof. Have a clear plan for exactly what each group member should be taking care of during the shield break portion of this phase. The drones always deploy in the same arrangement relative to Isaacs' position on the roof. If Isaacs has enough time to deploy two waves of hull cutters before his shield is punched, you are taking too long. While you're at it, have a fallback plan for what to do if or when one amplifier is accidentally destroyed. Mind your vectors and keep an eye on the arrow trail indicators that appear when an energy-slash-amplifier drone is about to fire. Step out of the line of beams not aimed at you and try to safely orient beams aimed at you so you're not needlessly hitting others. Damage from carelessly aimed beams can add up deceptively quickly and stress healing. Pro tip number two, maximize Omni-Cannon drama in phase three. Watch out for Isaac's super weapon, his Omni-Cannon ability. When he is casting this ability, you will want to be on high alert to make sure it doesn't take your group down. You can overload the broadcast tower's infrastructure to drain Isaac's Omni-Cannon charge, but you can only drain Isaac's Omni-Cannon charge so many times, so make sure you're getting the most out of each cycle. Arrange the overloads as quickly as you can, using the lowest DPS members of your group so that damage output on Isaacs is maximized. Once you have everything in place for an overload, however, hold off on hitting the button for as long as you can. Overloads fully drain Isaacs' charge, no matter how much he has, so you might as well wait until Isaacs is almost fully charged. In addition to heightening the drama, this gives your group time to sneak in extra damage. Mashing overload buttons immediately may lead to a situation 
where you've run out of buttons before Isaacs is pushed to the next encounter phase. Pro tip number three, during the makeshift drone in phase four, make the most out of every energy shot and always keep the augment drone charged. Each time an amplifier drone is hit with an energy beam, it refires a beam one level stronger. When the augment drone is hit with an energy beam, it gains a stack of power for each level of the beam. Likewise, when Isaacs is hit with an energy beam, he receives a stack of damage vulnerability for each charge level of the beam and also takes more raw damage from the beam. Make the most out of each energy beam. The augment drone's damage field increases the damage your group does to both Isaacs and the hull cutter swarm, whereas Isaacs' damage vulnerability debuff only increases the amount of damage your group does to Isaacs. Therefore, while it is important to try and keep Isaacs' damage vulnerability stack count high, always prioritize keeping the augment drone powered. And those are all of Matt's tips. It's really good stuff, and I hope those of you who are on the cusp of victory find something here that pushes you over the hump. Well, it's now time to continue my story project. What I'm attempting to do is play all eight classes and move them through their class, companion, and planetary stories all at once. The goal is to find a playthrough that works chronologically. I am not going for canon. I've gotten through all of the starter planets and the two capital worlds, Dromenkos and Coruscant. The Empire has also moved close to reclaiming Balmora, and the Republic is making good progress in their reconstruction efforts on Terrace. And everyone has now visited the seedy underworld of Nar Shaddaa. Before I begin, I want to warn you that I'm going to get into some spoilers and plot points and play some clips. So if you haven't done all of the class stories or other stories that are part of the 1 to 50 experience, this is your cue to exit. For the rest of you, I want to start with a brief recap of the story. Just as a reminder, I'm going to refer to the characters as he or she based on the gender I chose for my characters. Just makes it easier to talk about them. There is absolutely nothing about the story that suggests you must choose a specific gender for a class, although there are certain story moments that you can only experience as male or female, some of them quite good. Here is the story thus far for the Republic. The Jedi Knight is working for General Varsuthra to track down super weapons that were created by the Republic, but have now fallen into the hands of Darth Ongrel, an important figure in the Sith Empire. The Jedi Consular is tracking down Jedi Masters suffering from an ancient Sith plague that's been inflicted on them by the mysterious Sith Lord, Vivicar. Only the Consular can save these Masters with her shielding technique. The Smuggler is on a hunt to find the lost treasure of Nokdrayan. He's not the only one after these riches. A rogue named Skavik is also searching for the treasure and for a little payback that he owes the Smuggler. And finally, the Republic Trooper is on a mission to find the old members of Havoc Squad who have defected to the Empire. Along the way, he is recruiting new members for Havoc Squad. For the Empire, the Sith Warrior, who is the apprentice of Darth Barriss, is trying to find the Padawan of Nomen Kar, Barriss's arch-rival. This Padawan has a unique ability that threatens to destroy everything Darth Barriss has built. The Sith Inquisitor is hunting down artifacts that belong to an ancient Sith Lord named Tulak Horde. Lord Zash, who is the Inquisitor's master, needs these artifacts to perform a mysterious ritual. The bounty hunter is on the Great Hunt. She's traveling the galaxy capturing dangerous bounties and taking out her competition. She's also on the lookout for Terrell Blood, a Mandalorian competitor who will stop at nothing to win the Great Hunt. 
Finally, the Imperial agent is tracking down the Eagle, a terrorist suspected of assassinating Dark Council member Darth Jadis. Cypher 9 has dismantled much of the Eagle's network, but the terrorist still remains at large. That's the story thus far. Our heroes now head to the fabled desert planet, known for its twin sons, Tatooine. Like all of the other planets that I've been through, there is a recommended play order for Tatooine, and it is Sith Warrior, Jedi Consular, Bounty Hunter, Imperial Agent, Jedi Knight, Smuggler, Sith Inquisitor, and Republic Trooper. And just like many of the previous planets, you can pretty much crumple this up and toss it in the can and go in whatever order you like. This order is mainly based on some dialogue that gets into... Tatooine and how unexplored it is. The idea being that as more classes come through, more gets known about this desert world. I don't really buy into it. It's mostly started by a woman that you work with in the Sith Warrior story who is supposed to be an expert guide. Her name is Sharak Breve and she is one of my least favorite characters. We've had options to kill allies for screwing up a lot less than Sharak does and yet we don't have the option to kill her off, and that's always bothered me a little bit. This is the final conversation that the Sith Warrior has with her before leaving Tatooine. This is a great lesson. The only barriers that exist are the ones we create in our minds. I will never again assume that I know all there is to know, and I will explore the entirety of the Tatooine desert without reservation. You have learned much from this. I hope Lord Barris knows how fortunate he is to have such a fine champion shepherding his cause. I shall never forget you. I'm going to forget I ever met you. Basically, she's incompetent, and we should question everything she says about this planet. The one thing I forgot, and perhaps didn't think about until now, is that the Republican Empire have the same planetary story. So you need to pick one character out of the eight to do it. Doesn't really matter which one. And both stories are really good. The same thing is true on Alderaan as well. One thing I thought was cool is that on the Republic side, one of the missions has you go to the farm of a former Zerka security guard named Gromic Thurston. Here's a little bit of what he has to say about his time with Zerka. I used to be a security guard for Zerka, but they've been gone for years now. They left me alone, and I've stayed by myself. What exactly were your duties at Zerka? I was... I was a security officer at Zerka's Secret Weapons Division 7. I was so proud. Any idea what Zerka was working on? A scientist's project. It was all secret. Zerka never told us what was in that cave. When it all went wrong, I had to lock up the base, leave the others behind. I left the desert and the horrors and went to Anchorhead. What horrors? What happened to the facility? Something attacked us from inside. I don't remember. 
On the Imperial side of the story, as you get closer to finding Zerka's base, you stumble across this hollow recording. The droids locked onto an underground power signature. Must be an artifact in the Zerka base. We've also found some kind of recorded message. Any idea who it's coming from? Hatching it through now. Is this thing working? Last. Security Officer Gromick here. I'm the last man out. We've been ordered to seal Zerka's Secret Weapons Division 7. The base was compromised. We thought we had the problem contained to the artifact cave, but it didn't last. Okay, sealing the doors now. Anyone who sees this, don't come in. You don't want to. You really don't want to. That, of course, is the younger Gromick Thurston, which I thought was pretty darn cool. And other than that, I don't have much else to say on Tatooine. Play the characters in whatever order you want, and you'll be fine. Well, next up is Alderaan and the end of Chapter 1. And I think once we get into Chapter 2, we'll have to pay a lot more attention to who goes what, where, and when. So that's about all I have for today, another short show for you, which means I'm not doing a good job of coming up with topics lately. That said, if there's anything you would like me to talk about or cover on the show, let me know. I promise to research the crap out of it, ask questions, and deliver my thoughts and opinions. Well, that's going to do it for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving, I don't know, another 20 minutes listening to episode 75 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 76, probably on or around May 3rd, maybe May 4th. Until then, remember the Sith Code. Take this alone.